Praise God. Amen. We had a really good time here this morning. Can you say amen? Listen, something's happening, folks. And all I can tell you is you better jump on the train. Because we're going somewhere. Can you say amen? God's taking us somewhere. Let's jump on this train, amen, while it's moving fast. Amen. Uh, Before I preach, amen, we have a report from Chesapeake. Amen. Amen. Our baby church in Chesapeake. And so we're going to go ahead as they get that set up. Whenever you guys are ready. Me and my lovely wife, Melanie, passed the church here in Chesapeake, Virginia. God has been doing some great things even in the midst of the COVID-19 situation. Giving us revelation on how to reach people through the virtual platform on YouTube and Facebook and people have been tuning in seeing those but also he's given a strategy to be able to go out and be able to witness and tell people in the stores and various things seeing a lot of people that are open a lot of people open to coming out but also again being able to gather and you know do everything you know safe and and still be able to be in the building as well so people are still coming out uh, the faithful are still there, being faithful, hanging on to, for the promises of God. Uh, we've had new converts come in in the uh, past three or four four months or so. Uh, we had a couple come in uh, from the marriage retreat. Uh, they're still working through with them, but they've come in. We've had uh, a couple new people. Uh, Mr. Terry uh, Hinton particularly uh, came in about two months ago. Uh, started visiting the services and now he's coming to every single service as well as giving and uh, just this past uh, weekend he went with us on outreach so God's doing some tremendous things and so just want to uh, say that, that, that we're thankful for the people who have prayed for us who have given for us to be out here as well as we want to thank Pastor Mitchell and Miss Mona for believing in us so y'all keep tearing it up in Newport News we'll keep tearing it up here in Chesapeake God bless Amen. Praise God for that. Amen. Thank God for that. Genesis chapter 4, if you have your Bibles. Genesis chapter 4. If you remember, a couple weeks back I had preached on strongholds, uh, but that was just the beginning. And so tonight we are going to get a little more specific uh, tonight. And I want to talk to you about the stronghold of rejection. The stronghold of rejection Uh, because I believe very very strongly out of of the years and and just being around amen being saved for a while and even dealing with rejection myself that this is one thing amen that kills a lot of believers believers did you hear what I said believers because it's so strong but yet so subtle because it has so many different tentacles to it So you must understand rejection is just not the feeling of nobody wants me. That it goes way beyond just that moment or just that feeling. And oftentimes, I mean, we don't realize that we have this spirit, if you will, this stronghold residing in our lives. And tonight, I want to expose it. I want to believe God with you to get delivered. Can you say amen? And so we're going to jump right into it. Genesis chapter 4. We're going to read verses 1 through 12 tonight. Genesis chapter 4, 1 through 12. The Bible says this. 
Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have required a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of fruit to the ground of the ground to the Lord. And Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. Verse six. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel and uh, against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened his mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond shall you be on the earth. Amen. The stronghold of rejection. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you. God, I'm asking you, I'm asking you, God, to help us, Father. I pray that this spirit be broken here tonight at your altar. God, I'm asking, God, for your word to penetrate even the hardest of heart, God, tonight. And I'm asking you, Lord God, a miracle that would take place in the lives of men and women. And let this stronghold come down tonight by your glorious power. I thank you, God, for what you're going to do in advance. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. The stronghold of rejection, amen. Let's talk about learning from Cain for a moment. I think if we're going to begin, we need to start where we see the first rejection, if you will, and pull some truths from there about this terrible spirit that turns into a stronghold. Looking at verse 5, amen, uh, the Bible tells us this, but he did not respect Cain and his offering, and Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. Cain here feels rejected, but notice the response. He doesn't take responsibility for his actions. The rejected usually don't. In other words, they don't see the, their wrong in a situation. They will point fingers and not admit their sin. Cain doesn't take responsibility, but also notice what follows here in Cain is anger. What I have come to see is that men and women who deal with rejection, the stronghold are extremely angry. But it doesn't come out in the sense of, you know, or, you know, like a dragon coming out of a cage or something. But it's very subtle, amen. And a lot of times it's inward and they really don't express it until they can't hold on anymore. Psalms 37, 8 tells us this. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. See, people with this stronghold suffer from anger, and that anger can often lead to self-harm, cutting into your own flesh, fighting with people, dangerous actions that can lead to hopelessness and emptiness. And anger follows rejection and is expressed in many ways, but often through rebellion, ultimately against God, against the church, against people, and even authority and parents. 
But look what God tells Cain in verse 6. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin lies at the door and his desire is for you. But you should rule over it. Look what he tells him. It's at the door. It's a stronghold that wants to rule. Amen. God is telling Cain that you got to process this correctly. Because if you don't, sin is waiting to take over. Sin is waiting to build a fortress. But you can have dominion. Listen to me, those who deal with this issue. Listen, if you don't process it correctly, sin is lying at the door and is waiting to strangle you out. But you should be able to rule over it. Somebody shout amen. amen. Don't tell me this spirit is not a stronghold. Because the spirit of rejection leads to sin. And then it becomes an overwhelming force that begins to take over your life. See, rejection stems from pro wrong processing. From processing life in the wrong manner and the things that have happened to you, processing it incorrectly. If you've heard this before, just bear with me. If you've heard it before, you know who I stole it from. It is what it is. <laughs> a bird flying freezes and drops to the ground. An elephant comes along and poops on the bird. The heat from the poop begins to melt the ice around the bird, and the bird starts to chirp. A snake hears the chirping and begins to dig a tunnel in the poop, and the bird comes out, but the snake eats the bird. The moral of the story is that not everything that poops on you is against you, and not everybody who helps you is with you. It's all about how you process. See, Cain processed wrong and became disgruntled with God as well with his brother. And this is what happens when you're dealing with this, amen, you become disgruntled very easily. And oftentimes you begin to isolate. Oftentimes you won't speak. There's a passive aggressiveness. See, this is not just, oh, nobody loves me. This is not just something that, oh, you know, I just feel like nobody, no, 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 no. This goes much deeper. This goes into your relationship with Christ. This goes into your relationship with God, not being able to fully submit to God because of what has happened to you, because you felt rejected at times, because, amen, you've processed things wrong. And so now everything you've processed in your life, you now attribute it to God and say, God, you caused all this. How can I serve you? How can I give my life over to you? How can I trust you when this has happened to me? And it becomes a stronghold. But let's get a little deeper. Let's talk about relationship and tilling. In verse 8, the Bible tells us this. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. After this, we know that Cain killed Abel. But think with me here for a moment. It was Abel that was righteous in this. It was Abel that was just following what God said, but yet it was him who dies at the hands of his brother. 
What I want to show you here is a picture of the stronghold of rejection and what happens, amen. They begin to kill good friendships and relationships. Rejection often kills righteousness. Rejected, amen, people, or, or excuse me, rejected people change friends all the time. Yes, Lord. <laughs> they switch friends. They always got to move somewhere else. They always got to change surroundings. They always got to move from here to there. And they begin to kill off anybody who would get close. They begin to kill off anything, amen, that would begin to defy them. They begin to have problems with others and un are, are unable to build lasting friendships because their anger gets the best of them. They can't have deep relationships because at some point you're going to make them mad. And the reason why I can tell you this, because we see it in the Bible, but I dealt with it myself. Is that in this spirit, amen, you look at people and a minute, amen, something happens. The minute they say something you don't like, instead of being able to process and work things through, you say, no, kill them off. That's all right. I preach to myself. Don't worry about it. They can't build close friendships. Because they feel everybody's out to get them. So they can't trust people. They feel like everybody's not, is, 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 is against them. So they can't trust nobody. This stronghold begins to couple everybody into one category. It begins to pigeonhole everybody. What I mean by that is because your father hurts you, amen, because you have issues with your father and your father may have rejected you by not being there and you feel rejected. You feel like, man, where were you now? All male authority is like your father. Uh, huh? All, all male authority is now like your father, including God. This is why people often can't submit themselves because they go, you know what? If this is supposed to be my heavenly father, but why did he give me this earthly father who left me, who was not there for me, who pushed me away? And so they begin to pigeon everybody into a hole. You know what I'm talking about? Is when you got a problem with one person and that person is talking to this person and all of a sudden now you got a problem with two people. You know what I'm talking about? It's death by association. I don't like James. But he's talking to Pastor Howard. You know what? Now I don't like James or Pastor Howard. And Pastor Howard got a family. I don't want to deal with none of them. <laughs> That's how it works. You start killing off things, amen, because of the association, because in your mind you're processing it. I don't like you, but you talk to all of them, so they must be just like you. And you can't process correctly. This is why they, men and women who have this stronghold can't build properly. Everything is superficial. Everything is surface. We pigeonhole everything. The church hurt me. Now that means every church is bad. This is the thinkings of rejection. 
or they look at others who God has blessed and look and say, Lord, why haven't you done that for me? And they will have disdain for the blessed because they feel rejected. Because when I prayed, it didn't happen. But when you prayed, it happened. Why did God reject me? It's a process. Let me inject this for free. More times than not, rejection has come from your mother or father. Somewhere in your family, this happened. Whether that would be your parents splitting up possibly or not having one of the parents in the home or whatever the case may be. Oftentimes, I mean, this is bred in the time of our childlike and our adolescence. And it's been embedded into the fabric of your mind because it happened so young. And it's all you know. Parents, if I can just talk to you for a moment, parents, this is why you must not alienate your children or treat one as the golden calf and treat the other one as trash because you are breeding rejection issues. You are breeding something, amen, that is going to go into their marriages, that is going to go into their workplaces, that is going to go into their salvation. And if parents, if you don't hear nothing else I say, please, amen, when your child just wants to have a conversation with you, stop what you're doing and start talking to them. Get off of YouTube and look at them. Oh, uh, you don't like that. I don't care. Because now they are unable to process correctly because they're so young. And so you know what they're processing? My father doesn't want to talk to me. My mother doesn't want to deal with me. You have no idea how many times I have heard this over and over again. You know what? I'm having problems in my marriage because it's my father. He never, he never showed me an affection. So now when my husband tries to, I push him away because I don't know how to deal with it. No idea. So parents, please, don't raise a generation of the rejected. Especially you, Dad. Keeper of the home. Priest of your home. Colossians 3 and 21. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. You better be very careful how you deal with your children, Dad. Let's look at verse 9 of our text. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Think about this with me. We are talking about relationships here. God asked him about his brother and look at the response. Am I my brother's keeper? What this shows us is that rejection brings on indifference towards your brothers and sisters, even in Christ. But Cain was trying to hide from the Lord by acting like he didn't care or didn't know. In other words, it's a defense mechanism. Listen to me, this stronghold always tries to put up defense mechanisms, amen, as if I don't care, whatever. I don't care if nobody likes me. I like not being liked. Shut up. I like being hated. Yeah, okay. It's a defense mechanism because I don't want to be hurt. I've been rejected so often that, you know what, I'm going to make people dislike me so I can get, get, get through the middleman. Because they can't be honest. The stronghold doesn't allow people to prod deep. 
rejected people don't like being asked questions because they get extremely defensive or they just won't answer. They don't like, don't ask me certain things because I don't want to deal with that. It's my defense. I don't want to, no, I don't want to hear about that. I don't want, I don't, don't ask me anything. I'm thinking about this with Cain and Abel. What did Abel say? What did he say for his brother to raise his hand against him and kill him? We know they talked, and I'm not going to speculate on what they said, but it, I'm, I'm assuming that it had to be something with the offering. Why did God accept you and reject me? And Abel was like, because I did the right thing. And he's oh. See, often this stronghold doesn't like being challenged. Because it takes challenge as rejection. This is what God told him. He said, listen, just do right. You should have dominion. Do right. God was actually showing him grace in his challenge. Hey, okay. You do right, you'll be accepted. It's fine. Do right. But oftentimes, amen, when I'm seeing, when I'm dealing with people who are dealing with this, they don't like being challenged. They feel like they're being rejected. I got to move on. I got to move on. Verse 11. So now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened his mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond, you shall be on the earth. On the earth. God tells Cain two things that are very interesting. Number one, he tells him the ground will no longer yield to you. Notice here that Cain was a tiller of the ground. His labor was from the ground. His accomplishments were from the ground, produced through his planting. And now God tells him, when you till the ground, it will not accept it like it used to. What I have observed is that when rejection sets in, people, amen, try to work their ground for affirmation. They will search for acceptance and they will not find it. They will dig for love, till, uh, try to till for emotional attachment, but yet the fruit is not there. And they are left empty. Sound familiar? That we will search out and try to till that ground, and yet we're not seeing the fruit that we're trying to plant. We still feel unloved. We still feel like we're away. We still feel like we're not seeing the fruit. Amen. That's it. Come on, somebody. It's like we give, but we don't get. That, that's the thinking of this stronghold. I'm giving all this. I'm saying hello. I'm doing this. I'm doing it. But yet I'm not getting it back. Cain, it won't yield to you like it used to. And so what happens? You still feel empty. You're still searching. Is it no wonder why men and women will get married at the drop of a hat? That's why I tell couples, hey, if you got rejection issues, you need to deal with them now. Because the minute your husband is five minutes late, your mind is going to start rolling. Why didn't he call? Where is he at? What happened? And then when he walks in the door, where were you at? I was at work. Work. You get off at 5.32. It is now 5.37. It only tells where you been at. I went to 7-Eleven. Now, forget a 7-Eleven. You can't call. No Listen. 
Right? We're talking about relationally, right? We're talking about I can't trust. We're talking about the minute something goes wrong. No, you must be doing something. Something's behind that. But they thought that getting married or they thought that bringing more relationships in would fill this void of rejection. Is it no wonder that now everything is about how many likes and how many followers you got? Everything. That's all you hear. Man, I got 10,000 followers. Man, 6,000 left, man. Okay. Man, 32 likes. This page has been up for two weeks. 32 likes. 32. You only got 30 on your page. I mean, what? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Scratch that last part. Edit that out. Edit that out. I'm sorry. But you understand what I'm saying is that we, we try to search for something that's not there. And so this stronghold gets even deeper, doesn't it? The second thing he tells him is you will be a fugitive and a vagabond. What this speaks of is always wandering. Place to place, thing to thing, person to person, never having a steady anything, living in instability as a way of life. There are always traits of rejection. The constant changing of friends, jobs, locations could point to rejection. I got to change this. I got to change that. I got to do this. I got to do that. So we see how this affects your whole life. See, Cain's identity would be changed now. He would be known as the vagabond, the fugitive, to be cast away from the presence of God. Does this sound like you tonight? That this is me? This is me? Always jumping, always going from this to that, to always going around, always changing, never being stable, never being steady. Could it be that it's not the church? Could it be that it's not God, but it's you and I with the stronghold of rejection bearing fruit in our lives? Let me tell you something. Rejection takes its time. Let me say that again. Rejection takes its time. And as the years go on, it just gets stronger. As you get older, it just gets stronger. It just creates a tighter grip on your life. You're going to be a vagabond. Instability. Always looking over your shoulder. Always paranoid. Always wandering. Never having a steady anything. Never having firm foundation. Isn't that why we see, listen to me, I, and now listen, folks, I could, be, I could be overdoing it, and that's fine. I've been known to do that a time or two. But I, I look at, you know, first, it's, first they fish. Now they're building boats. And, and now they want to build apartment complexes. And I'm like, are you okay? <laughs> like, and I get you can have, I'm not saying you can't have hobbies. I'm not, but, you know, I just wonder about people who's old, every, every month is something new. I'm in the cars now. Well, you were in the skateboard. Yeah, I know, but you know, you know, yeah. I'm... The next month, I'm into making hot dogs. I'm learning how to, like, are you okay? That, that sets off a red flag for me. Like, why do you keep jumping to all these random things? Could it be that you're looking for affirmation, that you're looking and say, I am somebody. I am something. I'm not just this worthless person. Look at what I can do. Look at what I produce. 
and they never find it. So they spend their whole life searching for something that they'll never find because it'll never be good enough. Somebody will tell you, I love you. They don't, you don't believe them. People will show you love. You don't think it's genuine. It'll never, it's never ending. Is this making sense? You understand what I'm saying? But praise God, you don't have to be in that stronghold any longer. And everybody said amen. The spirit of rejection strips you of identity. It causes you and I to wander in search of who we are. What am I supposed to do? But the breaking of this stronghold starts with Jesus Christ. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Let me close. It starts with Jesus. It doesn't start with you moving to another town. It doesn't start with you getting another job. It doesn't start with you getting another raggedy hairstyle. Somebody said, Amen. trying all this stuff and you're still raggedy <laughs> I'm just I love you I'm just joking I love you I'm, you know I'm messing with you but it doesn't start anywhere else it starts with Jesus Christ 2 Corinthians 5 17 therefore if anyone is in Christ he is a new creation all things have passed away behold all things have become new in Christ you get a new ID that's when we repent and come to Christ. We no longer have to till the ground to find ourselves. We no, we no longer have to look and search and everywhere else. Everything that we're looking for can be found in our Savior, Jesus Christ. We no longer are vagabonds in Jesus. We are no longer fugitives in Jesus, but we are set free. Because Christ gives us redemption and he also gives us stability. You must repent first and foremost. Repent. And from there, God begins to remake us. The tearing down of the power of this stronghold begins. Thank God for that. You will not tear strongholds down in your own strength, church. Christ comes in and makes us new creatures in him. But you must repent. But not only repent, you must forgive. And that's where we find issue. Because now it's time to forgive that parent. Now it's time to forgive that person. Wherever it started from, now you got to begin to let it go and not just forget about it. No, you need to let it go so that way when you hear the name, when you think of the situation, it no longer sparks those emotions again. Can you say amen? You're going to have to forgive. You're going to have to let them go. Because if not, that stronghold still, I don't care how many times you repent. You can repent all night. But if you don't start forgiving, if you don't start letting go, if you don't start saying, God, I leave it in your hands. I'm going to be set free. I'm not going to be a vagabond any longer. I'm not going to let this destroy my destiny. If you don't do that, it'll still be there. Hebrews 12 and 14, pursue, pursue peace with all peoples and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. 
Looking carefully, lest anyone falls short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up causes trouble. And by this, many become defiled. You're going to have to forgive. You're going to have to let it go. You must forgive whether the person is deserving or not. It's not about whether they are deserving. It's not whether they will accept it. It's not whether it has nothing to, it has nothing to do with them. It has everything to do with God. I'm letting this go. I'm not living here anymore. Let me read to your article very quickly. There was a man in Newport News. <clears throat> the article says, hey, Mr. Cameraman. With that prompting, two-year-old Joseph tried to mug the television news photographer as if to make sure the cameraman got his good side. Ten on your side first met the frisky toddler in 1996 when he visited the area with a social worker affiliated with the adoption agency Cordner's Two out of Richmond. Days later, Myra and Richard Fain of Newport News saw him on Wavy 10 in our Wednesday child feature. They said they knew they had to act quickly. And when I saw this little guy run across that floor, I thought to myself, oh, my God, he has to be ours. Richard was a warehouse manager for the food bank in Newport News. Myra, a Pintran bus operator, they'd been married for 20 years and were unable to have children. Then two years later, uh, that uh, <laughs> two years later, from wiggly four-year-old Joseph, as he recalled a trip to the circus with his new parents, Myra and Richard. So they ended up adopting this young man. Uh, let me fast forward. Now today, and so we are here today 20 plus years. 24 years later, said Myra, while sitting in the table in the middle of the trio and staring into the camera during a Zoom interview on Ten Years Side. 24 years ago became the greatest moment of my life. An angel came down from heaven and said, and, uh, uh, said a happy yet serious 26-year-old Joseph, listen to these words. He says, I finally found a job that he's turned into a career working as a correctional officer. I enjoy this job. It has solid, decent income, great benefits. He said, Myra and Richard relaxed on a living room sofa, listening to their son, now a grown man. They beamed with pride when reflecting over the past 22 years since 10 on your side last spoke with them. Joseph, in the meantime, did some reflecting of his own. Listen to what this man says. When thinking that he was chosen by the fanes to be their son. It feels amazing. I wouldn't have it any other way. Here is a young man. They see this young boy on television. And they adopt him. Though he may have been felt rejected by his birth parents. Yet these two parents look at him and say, we're going to take you in. And as I'm reading this article, I, this is what the rejected have to realize, that you have been adopted by God. That you must no longer take on the spirit of the rejection, but now take on the spirit of adoption. That God has adopted me, that in my repentance and through my faith in him, I have now been adopted into the family of God. And listen, when this man was adopted, it changed everything. In his current, his old state, he was supposed to be a statistic. He was supposed to have all types of problems. But because he was adopted, he has a good job. He's doing things, amen, that he thought he could never do. And it's the same way in Christ, folks is that you were supposed to be a statistic. 
You were supposed to have all these issues and problems. But when we got saved, hallelujah, that blood began to run through. Somebody say amen. It began to cleanse us. It began to break things off of our lives. And all of a sudden now, a des new destiny has opened up. And to my rejected, listen to me, you no longer have to feel rejected. You no longer have to have that spirit. Because in Christ, you can be adopted. Now in adoption, you have a new identity. In adoption, you have new opportunity. You have stability in Christ. John 1, 11, But as many received him, to them he gave them the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name. New identity. No longer a child of wrath. No longer a child of rejection. What does the Bible say? He gave them to become the right to become children of God. Ephesians 2 and 19. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners. You're not vagabonds and fugitives. But fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows in the holy temple of the Lord, in whom you are also being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. No longer strangers, man. The kingdom of God gave you a new family. It gives you a new ID. And rejection doesn't have to keep you from God and his church any longer. You have to realize in Christ you are now accepted. I am accepted, amen. I am accepted. I'm no longer rejected. I can remember when I got saved, folks, and I remember I got up from that altar and I felt like I could just jump and touch the moon. And one thing that I kept saying to, to a friend of mine who got saved with me, he's like, man, we're in now. I remember hugging him. We're in. We're in, bro. We're no longer on the outside. Rejection doesn't have to keep you isolated any longer. Because now you're in the family of Christ. Listen to me, folks. Listen to me. You have been accepted by the heavenly father, even if you've been rejected by your earthly father. You have a father in heaven. Thank God. You have that authority. You have that love that you've always been craving and seeking. You have that stability that you've always been asking for. It's all in Christ. Rejection strongholds are destroyed when we see that we've been adopted. When you realize that I've been adopted into the family of God and you realize that, you realize I don't, I'm not rejected anymore. I don't have to process the same way because God renews our mind so we don't process the same way any longer. Ephesians 1 and 5, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. All through the blood of Christ, we have become accepted. That man that I just read about to you processed his adoption as the best thing to ever happen to him. He's not thinking about all the things that happened prior to. 
He's looking at it going, this is the best moment. When I was six years, five years or whatever it was, this is the best moment for me. This was, Forget the adoption agency. Forget, you know, this person and then the coordinators. This was the best. This is where I started life. And you should look at it the same way. If you're born again, this is when life started for me. Back in 19 this, back in 2000 that, whenever it started for you, that's when you go, when I was adopted, that's when life started. He cherished and he was thankful for his adoption. And church, oh, so should we. You should be thankful that you've been adopted in the beloved. You should be thankful that your ID is no longer vagabond and fugitive, but now it's son and daughter. Somebody shout amen. And tonight, church, I don't know who deals in rejection in here, and at this point, it doesn't even matter. What matters is you come to this altar tonight, and you accept the adoption. You, you, you cast out all that other stuff. No, no, I've been adopted in Christ. Let me leave you with this. You know, I tell my sons bits and pieces of my testimony so that I don't freak them out. You know, I still want them to respect me, you know. So, so I just give them bits and pieces as I can. But I always tell them something. I said, listen, you know, even though I didn't have a father, necessarily in the home and, and let me say this me and my father have a great relationship now but even though growing up until the age of 18 I did not have my father in the home that all these issues were inside of me all these things all the anger and, and, and all the bitterness and all it was all inside of me but yet when I got saved amen in that December slash January because I got saved December 31st New Year's, but it might have been New Year's Day. I'm not sure. I, I forget. But that day, that day, I had a father. Th that day, I had a family. That day, people were engrafted in my life who cared. And it was that day that changed everything. So I don't want to hear no more, I didn't have a dad, I didn't have a mother, I didn't have this, I didn't have that, I don't know. I don't want to hear that mess anymore because now we have a heavenly father and we have a body, amen, that God has grafted us in and we've been adopted into that now. That's not an excuse. It's not an excuse no more. And we're not going to keep looking at that, trying to justify our actions. We're going to accept adoption. And say, God, from this point on, I'm going to be changed. From this point on, whatever that destiny is, God, whatever that door is, you've opened for That's what I'm walking through now. My lenses are clear. The scales have fallen. And I'm going to go through that process, through the Bible, through the blood. Can you say amen? Through the Holy Ghost. I'm going to process everything that way, God. And I just encourage you, folks. I encourage you. Break that stronghold tonight through the blood. Let's bow our heads before the Lord. God bless you.